We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Listen up, Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. This is The Daily Brew. I can't believe that you went to the silos and didn't come see me. What the heck? Uh, well, I'm so sorry if I had known that you were that close. I totally would have swung by, you know, but she's enjoying a request of my assistance in decorating your room. Uh, and they're saying for a bit. No, I'm just kidding. We actually went for a Shane and Shane concert when they did Christmas at the Silos, and it was, oh my gosh, it was so cool. So that's why I ran into Bethany Dillon picking out a t-shirt for both of our sister-in-laws, which was so ironic, and I was like... Listen, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. I'm going to say hey to you because nobody else in this room is saying a word to you, but I know who you are. And she was like, okay. And I was like, and then why do I always have the in-mouth moments all the time? Anyway. No, so that's I better. It's worse. it's worse when people act like they don't know who are like, you know, they're like, it's cool. I'm cool. And you're like, you're giving me that weird <laughs> oh, face. Yeah. Just say hello. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, good to know. I'm glad to know that. Yeah. To, well, I don't know how to pretend and play it cool. There is no such thing uh, for me. <laughs> We are here with Jen Wilkin. She is the author of Women of the Word. She's written several other books. She's also on the staff at the Village Church in Dallas. Thank you very much for joining our show. Thank you for having me on. I also have the joy of having one of my friends, uh, Allison Stokesbury. Uh, she is a very big fan of yours, Jen, and also has read your book uh, very exhaustively. Uh, thank you very much also for being on the show. No problem. It is truly a joy to get to speak with you, Jen. I'm so excited to actually talk to one of my favorite mentors that you don't even know what happened as that. But you probably get that a lot because um, you impact so many women, and I hope that you know that. But you're encouraged by that because 
up here in Las Vegas, I'm telling you, you've impacted a whole <laughs> small group of women in our church <clears throat> just through um, your book. Uh, I know that this isn't what we're supposed to be talking about, but None Like Him, such a phenomenal book. We absolutely oh, love it. So thank, thank you. you so much just right off the bat for um, for teaching us so much. It's incredible. Um, so well, anyway. I'm thrilled. I never... I never expected anyone to read anything I wrote, so the whole thing is just uh, mind-blowing to me. So, <laughs> Well, you have written some incredible things, and I, I just so appreciate it. And your transparency, too. Oh, my word. Love it. You're so genuine, so I really appreciate it. Anyway, <laughs> so I wanted to tell you that um, we have a mutual friend, but I don't know if you'd call her a friend, but uh, Bethany Dillon, she has a little blurb on the back of your book. Yay! Oh, my yes! word. I love She's Bethany a Dillon. person. To say the least, yeah, and she's so talented, oh my word, and uh, anyway, so I ran into her at Silas down there in Waco, Texas, and um, pretended oh, like no. I knew her, and that was super embarrassing, because she didn't know me, but I knew all about her, so it was very stalkerish, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I just thought it was so funny, because I looked at the back of your book, and I thought, oh my goodness, Bethany Dillon wrote on the back of yours too, how cool. So anyway, I just thought that was funny. Um, but anyway, so I was also wondering why there are so many amazing God-fearing women that live in Texas. What's the deal? What is it about Texas? <laughs> He's producing these incredible women. <laughs> Emily Thomas from the Mom Struggling Well podcast. She's in there too. And there's so many great people from Texas. What is it? What, what is it about y'all's churches that keep popping out these incredible women? Well, I think it's just all the sunshine we get here. It's a mood elevator, so we're all, you know, a little, little generally more happy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, um, let's jump right into asking um, or talking about your book, Women of the Word. I absolutely am loving it, but I'm so slapped in the face, convicted by it as well. Um, so thank you for uh, not writing within our comforts because that uh, – that definitely challenges me as an individual woman, um, as a wife and a mom, but just a woman in general, studying God's Word and how to approach it. Um, I was so uncomfortable <laughs> reading many, uh, parts of it, and that's so good. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you for that, because we need it so much, you know? So um, anyway, uh, I just want to know, um, what motivated you the most to write this book? I... Um teach i've been teaching for years in the local church and what women of the word is is basically what i would say the first day of every semester of our bible study if i had six or seven hours to talk to the women um and so when I'm, my publishing experience is not normative i was blogging for the women who were attending my study and had no, didn't even know how to check the statistics on the blog and see who was reading it. I was just trying to get content out there for the women who were coming, and a publisher contacted me and said, do you have a book you would like to write? And the first thought that came to mind was, I would like to tell other women what we are finding to be so helpful in, in our own context here. Mm-hmm. And so um, I took, I say over and over again to the women that I teach and put it in book form. And it was pretty satisfying to get it all down in one place and have it from start yes. to finish. And uh, it's actually made my life a lot easier. I don't have to repeat myself quite so much now um, with some of these things. I can go, well, read chapter six. Uh, but right, it's right. basically 
over the years of, of doing ministry among women and of wanting to teach them the Bible in a way that stuck to their ribs, these were the principles that just kept coming back again and again as, as essential to right. owning the text. Right. And I can tell that from, um, from you know, Adam mentioned that I'm a, a big fan. That's an understatement. I'm kind of a creeper. Uh, <laughs> I've listened to a lot of your talks. And, um, you know, from the Gospel Coalition and um, other things like that. But also, I've noticed that, the, you're right, these issues do come up time and time again about women and how they study the Word and their lack of, I'm talking to myself, lack of biblical literacy. Um, so that makes sense why you would put it all in one book. So thank you. That's convenient for us as well. <laughs> uh, as readers. Well, and you know, so I love it. It's, it's everywhere. It's, and it's honestly, it's not just women. And I think that right. initially when, when we begin to see the distance between where we are and where we ought to be or would like to be with regard to Bible literacy, we can feel some shame around it. You know, the average Bible study attendee is like, why am I so bad at this? And I, what I, yes. the email I get most frequently is, I have been in church my whole life, and no one mm-hmm. has taught me how to do this. I've had that email so many times, and um, I don't think that those of us who are um, – faithfully attending church and trying to put ourselves in, in line with Bible study need to carry shame around that. I think that this is something that the local church has lost sight of in the last 15 or 20 years, and, and it's just time for us to reclaim it. If you haven't learned it, it's because we have not equipped you to do so. And so a lot of what I'm doing is asking the local church to remember that it is a place where people are actively learning the scriptures. Right, right. Yes, I totally agree. Obviously, so would you um, would you say that this book is more of an individual read, or do you think it could also be read in a small group setting? Because, um, like I said, you know, we have a small group up here, and we're actually trying to find a book to read as a group. But we have such a mm-hmm. diverse group that there are a lot of different needs that that may need to be met spiritually speaking. Um, so, but just you know, in general, would you say this, um, the, the women of the word is more of an individual read versus a small group setting read? Not to be done as a Bible study, because I know how you're, <laughs> you know, the purest or however you said it about, um, you know. There's actually a downloadable study guide that's for use in groups. Um, the book can be used individually or in groups, and a lot of people will use the book to kick off um, a new direction with where they're going to take their Bible studies, and so they will read the book as a group and do the discussion questions for the end of each chapter, and then they will say, okay, let's now put this into practice, because I would say that perhaps the most common misunderstanding that still lingers after someone reads Women of the Word is, oh, okay, now I have a plan to study the Bible. I'm going to go off in a corner and do this on my own, Mm -hmm. and um, we're created for Christian community, and Bible study is also something that should be done. There should be a personal element to it, but it's best done uh, in conjunction with gathering with others who are believers and discussing what you're seeing and then sitting under good teaching over what you yourself have already spent time trying to discern truth from. Right. So um, the book itself is accessible both for personal use and for group study. Jen, let me uh, interrupt here, and I want to ask one question. Why do you think it's important? In your book, you, you mentioned the multiple P's that you give uh, 
uh, for how to study the Bible, and one of those is with people. Why do you think it's so important to read the Bible with people as opposed to reading it maybe in isolation? Why is it important um, that we study Scripture um, in the local church with others rather than alone? Well, I think it's important because it's uh, it's modeled for us in the, the Bible, so I think we should pay attention to that. Um, but I also think it's important because when we are only studying on our own and drawing our own conclusions, we sort of become um, judge and jury over what the text means. And to say that just you and the Holy Spirit is um, sufficient for pulling what is there in the text is to say that the gift of teaching that's given to those in the church is not necessary for you. And so there is a benefit to be gained both by sitting under good teaching by someone who has a gift in that area, but there's also just the benefit of hearing the voices of co-learners because you begin to have your ideas press against someone else's ideas and see, well, why did they land there and I land here? And it's just a generally good learning tool, like, if I wanted to, when my daughter went down to college and wanted to learn chemistry, she did not purchase a chemistry textbook and sit in her room and try to figure it all out on her own. She has a small group element to what she's doing where she gathers with her peers for group assignments, and she also sits under teaching. And I think some of what we have lost in the church is a sense that Christian education should should be um, patterned very similarly to what happens in any other structured learning environment. There are times of individual study, but there are also times where we gather and learn in community. That is very helpful. One other question I want to ask, and then Allison has got uh, a few more here, but one of the other questions I want to ask is, as a, a husband and father, uh, my wife is a stay-at-home mom, and she's got three little ones. What are some practical ways that husbands can help their wives study the Word? I know sometimes she fights for, for time alone. With uh, We yeah. have a, a one-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old, so uh, free time <laughs> is very uh, scarce in this household. So what are some practical ways husbands can help their wives, or what are some things that wives can do uh, when their time is limited to make sure that they're getting time in the Word? Well, I do advocate for young moms to be in, if they're able to, to be in some sort of structured environment. So like if your church is offering a structured setting for women to gather where it happens at the same time each week, maybe there's child care. Obviously, if there isn't child care, a husband can help by saying, hey, I'm going to watch the kids every night, uh, every Tuesday night for you to go and attend this. Um, but if there is child care provided, then the husband is saying, hey, how can I make sure dinner gets on the table this night so that that's not something you're having to do in addition to getting out the door to go where you're going? Um, so sort of carving out a little bit of space for her and then also for her to have a little bit of personal time, too, to be for, – for a lot of young moms, the thought of investing in something that happens outside of their house is a little overwhelming, at least in the, in the near term. And so to just say, hey – um, you know, these two nights a week, I'm going to read the kids' story and get them ready for bed, and you go have some time. That can help women as well, and is a, a big thing that husbands can do. And just to be encouraging and say, hey, I value this, and then to interact with her around what she's learning. I think this is something, too, that couples can lose sight of, is that she's studying one thing and you're studying another thing. Uh, it's nice if you guys have some overlap in, the, in what you're looking at in the scriptures because then you have a built-in small development even within your home. 
Yes, I feel like that is such great advice, especially for husbands. Um, and I love that idea of them, you know, watching the kids just for pff, even just maybe one or two nights a week. And you go yeah. to wherever you can go to concentrate for a minute because I also am a mom of two young children. Um, but I also know that you have raised um, four under the age of four. One point. In yeah. Time. And so you have some fantastic <laughs> advice on how to uh, practically deal with that because that is a that is a big um, struggle for women that have young children and you know even older children too I'm sure but younger children just there there's so much time that is you know sucked each day yeah because of all the needs yeah and the needs just change with each season I know but but um I love how in a um I, I don't know if you remember but a risen motherhood uh, episode from a podcast you mentioned um a great way for moms that are stay at home and don't have much time um to get into god's word is to you know even though we want that that depth and understanding of god's word um to really focus on context and just kind of repetitiously through scripture so that we can have that basis so that we can build on it later when we do have that time i love that piece of advice i think that is fantastic yeah you start to get your brain back you start to yeah. get brain back a little bit, you know, when that youngest kid hits about age four. And um, and what you don't want to do is just tread water for those years when it's mm-hmm. uh, when it's hard, where you're not going to sit down and do some full-on inductive Bible study. Maybe, although you might. I mean, I, I did during that time, but I'm I'm a weirdo a little around. You know, obviously that's <laughs> my thing. I don't have I don't have hobbies is the way I always say it. That's <laughs> my thing. Um, my kids don't have uh, baby books, but uh, their mom certainly was learning a book of the Bible at that time. So <laughs> yeah, that's and what well, what and better what, of a substitute, right? I mean, come on, that's gonna well, I mean, it makes, it makes me sound run. more holy, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe I was just avoiding something that would have been great for my kids. But um, those are years where just I think we underestimate the importance and the beauty of just reading, and even if it's even if you're like cannot focus on the page well then when you're sitting when you're doing your housework listen to it you know have someone read it to you Uh, just have it downloaded onto your phone and and get it under your skin and and if we take those little years and we say i'm just going to do devotional stuff during this time uh we're Mm -hmm. we're shortchanging ourselves on something that could be pointing us toward and not i'm I actually, I don't hate devotional materials. It's just that for most women, for many women, we we unwittingly slip into a pattern where that is all we're doing and we yeah. stop discerning between how we're dividing our time among the various approaches to Scripture that we can have. Yes, absolutely, which is why I was so slapped in the face when I read the first couple of chapters of Women of the Word because... I was like, oh, shoot, I have totally been comfortable with this. Of just reading devotionals. Um, and you know what's sad is a lot of devotions that are even on that um, version Bible app, which is, that's just what I have on my phone, so that I can listen to it. I love that it can read it aloud to you, like scripture from Genesis to Revelation. You can just hear the word pouring over you, whether you're washing dishes or doing laundry or changing a poopy diaper. I love it. It's fantastic. And also, the kids are hearing it, too. And, like, my daughter, Alethea, will say things like, Oh, Mommy, I know this story. I know this one. This one's a good one. And I'm like, Oh, praise Jesus. Like, this is so great, you know. And it is just, it's a great tool that I think we really underestimate. Just the fact that God's yeah. Word's being read aloud, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the devotions that are provided also in the app, they can be great. But at the same time, some of them are 
kind of flaky, uh, you know, and not, I don't know. So it's hard when you get in the rhythm of having that devotion every morning as your quiet time or your time with the Lord. And um, you don't want to get away from that because you're afraid, oh, well, if I get away from this, maybe I'll leave the discipline out altogether, which happened to me. Um, so that's why I love how you were just saying, well, if you basically just, just read through a book from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Start at the beginning, mm-hmm. go to the end and read it. You know, I think that is such <laughs> And then do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's nothing wrong with repeating a book. Um, so I just, I love that because there's a lot of times where I'll be sitting there thinking, where do I start? You know, and I know the obvious answer might be obvious to somebody, but when you're you got a, a, a five-year-old and a, how old are they? Two? See, I don't even know the ages of my kids. Like, It's hard to think, you know, practically speaking, where can I start and where can I, you know what I mean? So that's just, mm-hmm. I love that advice that you gave. Um, so that was, that was very encouraging. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to ask you another question about uh, your book. Um, just it, kind of for you personally, when would you say that it, it dawned on you that, um, uh, well, let me back up and give it some context. So you talk about the uh, different approaches to God's Word. That's what was so convicting to me. And you talk about the Xanax approach and the, the personal shopper approach and things like that. Um, I love your labels. They're so great because they help me remember. And, and, and they're true. <laughs> they're absolutely true. But when would you say for you personally that um, it, it dawned on you that you misunderstood how to approach God's Word for you personally? Like specifically realizing that the Bible is about God and not us, and that our minds transform our hearts and not the other way around. That was a huge golden nugget that I took away from it. I don't know if I can say there was a particular moment when it hit me. I have a degree in English, and so I had always felt a pull. I had always wondered why we didn't treat the Bible the way that we treated other books. And Mm -hmm. and then I had a, you know, coming out of a, I think I mentioned in the book, I came out of about seven different denominations in my childhood. And so I did have this sense of, well, not everybody's saying the same thing. And so what is, what is the, the safest route to take in order to know who is teaching what's closest to the text? And, um, and then I just began to realize that in particular, at the time that I was, you know, in my early 20s or late 20s and, and was a young mom and, you know, looking for resources, women in particular were, were not being given the Bible itself. We were being told, you know, stories and we were being told about the Bible, but no one was pushing us to do um, with the Bible what I had been trained to do with Shakespeare or with a Steinbeck novel. And, and the Bible is more than just a book, but it is a book. And God could have revealed himself to us in any way, through any medium. He could have shown a movie, you know, I mean, he's right. God, but he, he chose yeah. the written word. And so um, at that point, I began to, to realize and to come in contact with some, some good things like precepts, Bible studies, you know, and um, people who, who were treating the Bible first as a book that can be read and understood and that has authorship, in, that has human authorship and divine authorship. And what are the implications of that? It was really freeing for me um, and, and then opened the, t- the text to me in a way that didn't require, I think, we, I think we've gotten to a place often where we believe we need almost a high priest, a human high priest, who, who, has, who tells us what the text says. They're specialists. 
And, right, and we're a really we a smart Bible teacher, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the more we buy into that, the more passive we will be in, in our contact with the scriptures where we need someone else to tell us what it says and means, and the more layers we place between us and the text. And the Bible right. is given for you, and it's given for me. And we don't learn it in isolation, but we certainly do have a personal responsibility to love God with our mind. Right. And would you say, um, who would you say would have been good examples to you that did do those things, that you did see fleshing that out as far as reading God's Word as God's Word and not, um, you know, having to depend on someone to interpret it for them and go to other resources, but... Did you have any good examples of that growing up or um, any mentors in mind that, that kind of led you in that direction? Or my, uh, I think it's, it's common for women when we're asked who are their spiritual mentors, women who are doing what I'm doing. We, we almost always mention men because um, most of the Bible scholars that yeah. I ran across, you know, during the, the time that I was getting into this, uh, women were not being equipped for this work outside of the local church. Women didn't really go to seminary, and uh, I would say we still have some issues around that just because a woman can't can't necessarily find a job on the other side of seminary where she can even recoup the cost of her education. So um, I saw great examples in some of the pastors whose teaching I sat under who were handling the text well, and I also learned a great deal from the teaching of R.C. Sproul in particular uh, in terms mm-hmm. of just uh, his desire to say, hey, this is not, this kind of thinking and this kind of interpretation work is not something that's limited to the academy, to those who are in the hallowed halls of, um, of the right. seminary. This is something that belongs in the hands of every believer. So I had those examples, certainly. And then my mom uh, raised us, you know, in in the faith and has always loved the Bible and spent time in the Bible in front of me. You know, there's that modeling piece that's just so important. And so I did perceive that this was something that women should value. And then, honestly, my first exposure to a woman teacher that made me stop in my tracks was – Someone put in a Beth Moore video when I had small babies, invited me to come to a Beth Moore study, and I will never forget seeing her do that. You know, I mean, it it chokes me up because I just didn't think women could do that until I saw her rightly divide the scriptures. And so that was a pretty big eye-opener for me. Uh, And I... Beth Moore, obviously, her passion that just exudes through the television screen when she's leading, you just cannot help but fall in love with that God that she's speaking about in God's Word. And then when and she equips you with those tools as well to be able to dig into and discover God just the exact same way. That's what I love about her studies as well. Um, so I, I understand getting choked up about that for sure because she is um, definitely a mentor for many women, I'm, I'm sure. Um, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I was wondering how you I actually wondered if you thought about Beth Moore um, in your, um, you know, influence of, of just growing in your knowledge of Scripture and how to treat Scripture. Can I uh, ask you, just out of curiosity, did uh, or has Nancy Guthrie uh, impacted uh, you and in your, in your reading of Scripture at all? I know with me, the first time I encountered Nancy Guthrie, 
uh, similar to kind of what you're saying is most of the time I was influenced um, was uh, at least in the theological realm and it was by men authors and then someone mm-hmm. introduced me to Nancy Guthrie mm-hmm. and uh, for the first time I was like wow there are women scholars who are writing and yeah. I don't want to sound <laughs> sexist but I didn't realize there were like women who deeply passionate about the Bible and then mm-hmm. um, I had a class with uh, Dr. Moeller uh, at yeah. Southern and then he introduced me to uh, Nancy Piercy uh, so uh, those two names uh, together, um, like both of those kind of introduced me into the field that there are women writers out there writing deep theological truths, writing uh, who are serious yeah. about the Bible as well. There are, and it's it's going to grow. I think it's going to grow in number, and I'm excited about that. So my 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 relationship with Nancy Guthrie um, is a little backwards. I wish I had found her years ago, but I didn't. I, I met her personally before I had ever read anything that she had written. And we were friends. She's my friend. <laughs> I would call her my friend tour because she's, uh, she's a, just a little bit older than me, not a lot older than me. And she's done this longer than I have. But we're definitely kindred spirits around this. And I love that I can always recommend any of her stuff without any hesitation um, or caveats. Um, you, you just can't do that with everyone. And she just is a, a faithful teacher and a sober-minded teacher. And she does not have any interest in being well-known. You know, she just wants to do this well, and yet she is well-known because she's done, uh, she's done good work. So I yes, love we, uh, Nancy Guthrie. She's good people. We, yes, she is good people. We love her, too. Um, we have our dinner table devotions that we read. We don't read them at dinner. We read them for our morning devotions, actually. Um, it's a year-long thing, and it's fantastic. We love that, too. Um, I'm so glad that you have a, a, like a friend that you can confide in and speak to and be encouraged by um, because I feel like you, you're a huge figure, whether you want to admit it or not, Jen. You are. You're a big, you're a big deal. You're kind of a big deal. Um, so I, I just, because you really, you impact so many people and I just, um, you're, I know you're, you're humble and you're, you just don't realize it, but I'm just letting you know that you're, you're a big deal. So um, I was going to ask you. <laughs> You know, you need people that understand how they can relate with you in that same area. You know, because I feel like, does it ever get to your head that you're a, a, an amazing speaker or like a, an author or a, a Bible study curriculum writer? I mean, those are huge things, huge feats, especially uh, for women. You know, uh, I am moms. thankful. I have, um, I have a really great on-the-ground ministry here in my little church that um, – I feel like anything that has happened outside of my church has just been overflow of that. So I have not ever wanted or thought to be a name people knew, and it Mm -hmm. is always a mixed blessing to have that. Um, And so I guess I just don't want to spend time thinking about that. I would rather, and I haven't. The Lord gives me enough work in front of me every day to keep keep my hands plenty busy and my brain plenty busy, and I'm always grateful. It is a it is such a gift. It, it's a ton of work to write a Bible study, a ton. Right. And it is yeah. a, it is a gift to know that it is now something that can be used by more than just the women who are in my own context. But it's an overflow. It's never been the goal for me, and I, I hope it will always be able to stay that way. Right, and I um that that kind of flows into another question: is how how do you 
seemed to juggle a dedicated mom life, a wonderful writer, a talented gifted speaker, and devoted teacher. Oh, and let's not forget being a wife, including travel. Like, how do you <laughs> juggle all of that in one? That is, it blows my mind, and that's a lot. It is a lot, and it's you know some of that has been really unexpected, and has happened over the last five or six years. I have Jeff Wilkin is my biggest supporter and advocate, and so he has you know obviously if he was like, why are you doing this? This is stupid. None of it would have worked because I I needed his help. Um, you know he's he's been the parent who's there if I'm traveling, and he loves that. And actually, the kids are never like, when is she coming back? Because he's the fun parent, and so <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, let's go to Wings and more for dinner. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's been a huge reason that I have. Um, had the, had the bandwidth, so to speak, to do the things that I have done. And um, frankly, the years when I was not working, when I was not in full-time ministry at my church, he, he funded my ability to stay home, you know, yeah. and, and, and think thoughts and write things. And so I'm just so grateful for that time. That's a total luxury uh, that he yes. afforded for me by just getting up and going to work every day. Uh, so yes, I never want to underestimate his contribution there. And then my kiddos, you know, we told the kids um, that they were partnering in ministry when they kept the house right. together and when they got their stuff, managed their own stuff. And that was not just a silly way to get them to do what they needed to do. It was legitimately true. And uh, so it was. it's always been a family endeavor. And, yeah, it's, it's not always easy. I'd like to conclude with uh, one last question for you. So have you learned, uh, in regards to uh, speaking, uh, have you learned anything about hand motions from uh, Matt Chandler? <laughs> you know, that's so funny. They, somebody put, there was a, you know, the Churchill Post little videos all the time, and um, there was one of me that they put up recently, and someone sent me a screenshot where someone had commented underneath, does everyone at this church talk with their hands? <laughs> uh, and, uh, I actually didn't get that from him, but I think uh, we both are sort of vigorous in our communication style. He, he exponentially more so than I am, to be fair, but uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I flail. I flail a little when I speak. <laughs> well, Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, and thank you for uh, your ministry and all your work that you do. I know uh, my family and Allison's family um, have been incredibly bl- blessed by your ministry, so thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh, I'm so glad to get to talk about this book, and thank you for having me on. Snappies make us happy. Okay, that was just weird. Whenever we get a craving for something to eat, where do we at the Daily Brew go? We go to Snappy Tomato Pizza on Washington Pike. If you go to Snappy, you're certain to get the best tasting pizza in town. Snappy's pizzas are made fresh daily with a large selection of toppings. If you're planning on inviting your buddies over for the big game, ask for the beast. It's 24 slices and over 6 pounds of deliciousness. Snappy Tomato. Quality pizza. We love Snappy. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. 
This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us. 